to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, we'll be reading verses 14 through 16. Starting there in verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 4, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to even be in your word. We give thanks to you for all that you've done, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to get here, the strength to get here, Lord. Now we ask for the strength to help us to focus and listen in. May we set aside the things that may be affecting us or worrying us in this life. May we glean this evening and understand the functionality of prayer. May we understand what it means to have such a great high priest. Oh, there is no greater time in history, I believe, to live maybe a worse time in history because of the affairs of this life, but to have this completed word and to see you fully is a great comfort unto me. We give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. These verses here, Verses 14 through 16 cover the fact and the reality that we have such a great high priest. Prior to Christ, we must understand that there is a separation of powers. There, prior to Christ, you was a priest, but not a king. You were a king, but not a priest. You were a priest, but you were maybe not a prophet. Remember when the Lord wanted to send a word unto Saul. What did he do? He sent Samuel. Saul, the king, Samuel, the prophet. When the Lord wanted to send a word unto King David, he sent the prophet Nathaniel. When the Lord wanted to send a word unto King Ahab, he sent Elijah, the prophet. Prior to Christ, there was no prophet, priest, and king all in one. Yet, what we have here in this text, what Hebrews makes aware unto us, that in Christ we not only have prophet, but we have priest, and we also have our king. As our Lord fulfills these three ministries unto his children, he doesn't step down from one ministry to fulfill another. He's not prophet unto us at one moment and then priest to us at another. He simultaneously fills all of these roles to his children at the exact same time. Jesus, the prophet, reveals God's word unto us, does he not? This is what John tells us about that he is the word. Jesus, as the king, makes us aware that he, as the king, provides the rule of God over us. And Jesus, as the, um, Jesus, as the priest, provides access for us unto God. First Timothy says in 2 and verse 5, For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, 
the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is our all-sufficient prophet. He is our all-sufficient priest, and he is our all-sufficient king. This text here covers the Lord's priestly ministry. The author of this book is unknown. It's highly debated, but it does not matter. We can step back just from reading this book and we can see that its Jewish culture is rich. The reason that the author is taking this stance is because he is writing to a Jewish audience who is in danger of taking a step back. This is an audience who is in danger that they may begin to believe that the opportunity to free themselves from persecution would be to go back to Judaism. The author urges them that there is no time to look back and the reminders thus far in this text is that Jesus is far better than anything you've ever had. In the first chapter, he digs into the, uh, the history of the children of Israel. And what he is going to draw them to in the first chapter of the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is better than any prophet you've ever had. He's better than Elijah. He's better than Elisha. He's better than Jeremiah. And the Lord continues on as this author is preparing to explain to these children of Israel, these, Jude um, these Jewish people who have now come to Christ. He is seeking to let them understand and remind them just who Jesus is to us. The Judaizers are urging these people to come back to their old faith. Don't they? The urging is, don't you forget what we have. We have Moses. We have Elijah. We have Elisha. And what the author is trying to say, but we have Jesus. The scales don't even come close to equating. That is in chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. He continues on in the first chapter to let them know that what we have in Jesus is far better than the angels. You're right, an angel may have appeared unto Jacob in the Old Testament, and you guys are making all of your proclamations about these angels, but we have Jesus. You may have had angels appear unto you throughout the Old Testament, but we have Jesus. And he continues on to present to these Jew, Jewish, Jewish nation that, listen, what we have in Jesus is not only better than the prophets, but what we have in Jesus is better than the angels. But also in chapter verses, chapter 3 and chapter 4, the author takes time to tell them, listen, I know what they're saying unto you, that you guys have the law. We understand that you guys are saying that you have Moses. In chapter 3 and 4 of this text of Hebrews, he takes them and begins to explain to them, we have something better than Moses in Jesus. The author makes his stand that there is nothing, there is no one that is better than Jesus. We have a better word from God in Jesus. We have a greater prophet in our Lord Jesus. We have one higher than the angels in our Lord Jesus. But now in these few verses here, the author says, I am not done just telling you about how great our Jesus is. These verses here take us back to the tabernacle. 
These verses here take us to a time where they entered into the Holy of Holies. These verses have taken us back to a time where the, the ministry of the high priest... We're reminded here in the Old Testament the, the ministry of the high priest that Aaron once held. A sacrifice here in this time would be offered up once a year with not only much preparation for the sacrifice, but much preparation on Aaron's behalf. They would enter into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God. He would only be able to go in once a year. And there he would enter into the most holy place. And there the, the blood would be atoned for on the mercy seat. This was an amazing privilege that Aaron was even offered. But the next step would be that after Aaron was done putting the blood on the mercy seat, that he would quickly be ushered out and exit the holy of holies. You could not stay in there unless judgment would fall upon you. Remember what happened when the Bible says back in Leviticus where Nadab and Abihu offered up strange fire unto the Lord in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says when they committed such an act that there was no strange fire that consumed them. The Bible makes it clear. They offered strange fire, but the fire which consumed them was the fire of the Lord. There was extreme danger to be in the presence of the Lord. There was extreme danger to enter into the holies of holies. This text offers to, up to us that we not only have a priest, but the text says, seeing that we have a great high priest, where Aaron was afforded the opera, this amazing opportunity to enter into the presence of God and then to leave our text says, seeing that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Where Aaron passed through the veil, Jesus passed through the heavens. Well, what makes him so great is that he is the Son of God and he is God the Son. When Aaron ushered out of making atonement for sins and he ushered out of the Holy of Holies, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 2 says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Get that. Every year that would pass, Aaron would enter into the Holy of Holies at one time in one moment. And there at this one time, once a year, he would enter into the Holy of Holies. After this atonement would be done, he would quickly be ushered out. The sacrifice in which Aaron would do and the atoning in which Aaron would do there on the mercy seat was insufficient. Therefore, it necessitated a continual offering. The sins of the children of Israel, it also, their sins were many, their sins were much, which required a continual sacrifice. We know what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, right? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And this great high priest not only made the sacrifice, but he only made the sacrifice once, and it covered all of 
humanity. Not only did he enter into the Holy of Holies. Remember, when Aaron entered into the Holy of Holies, as we said, he entered into the presence of God. And once the atoning was done, he would then leave. But the Bible says the reason that Jesus is a great high priest, he only offered sacrifice once, and then he was not ushered back out of the presence of God. No, he is now dwelling and sitting at the right hand of his heavenly Father. The author is offering up here, there is no one like our Jesus. There is no priest that's ever been like our Jesus. We have the great high priest. The call was to come back to Judaism. We have the heritage. We have Aaron. But the author is trying to bring them back to the reality. Don't you forget, we have Jesus. Where Aaron could not stay, Jesus can. Where Aaron was ushered back out because of his sin, Jesus knew no sin. Jesus was tempted on every side, yet never failed. This is the great message unto us. Why is this a great message unto us? Because he is our great high priest. Why is this so important? Because it means that at any time, our advocate, our mediator with the Father is in the holies of holies. And we can enter into the holies of holies because our priest is allowed in the presence of God at all times. He has offered this sacrifice up once. Seeing that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. What a statement here. The author is trying to continue to nail this down. We have a great high priest. He's not only entered into the heavens. He's not only not like Aaron. He's not only not like any of the priests of times past. He's entered into heavens. He reigns in the presence of God. Because why? The author says because he is the son of God. Remember in Matthew chapter 17 where it was uh, Peter, James, and John would go up there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, always talking before thinking, sees Jesus speaking to Elijah and Moses. And as he sees them speaking to Elijah and Moses, Peter blurts out, Hey, listen, we're going to go back down here and we're going to make ourselves a tabernacle for Peter. I mean, for Elijah, we're going to make ourselves a tabernacle for Moses. We're going to make ourselves a tabernacle for Jesus. And the Bible says, and while he yet spake, meaning Peter didn't even get to finish the foolishness. God, it says God overshadowed them. A, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. The disciples fell to their face. And when they fell to their face, the Bible says they looked up. And all that they could see was Jesus. That's all they could see was the Son of God. Hear ye him. What makes this high priest so valuable? Not only to those who had just converted to Christ, not only to these Jews who have fled Judaism, but even for us who have fled the prince and the power of the air. One of the things that is so encouraging for us is the one who bears intercession for us. The one who intercedes on our behalf. He is the son of God. Who else could do such a thing? Who else could be in the presence of God for us? Who else makes intercession for us? 
the amazingness of this functionality of prayer. We come here and pray. We ask God to move. But as we pray and ask to God to move, it is in the name of his son, Jesus. And to further understand that it is God's desire for us to enter in prayer with him. The Bible says, even in Romans chapter 8, that the spirit may bear and make its intercession for us when we don't even have the words to say. Meaning even when we ain't praying in our troubles, even when we ain't praying in our trials, the spirit is praying on our behalf. We kind of get the idea here that what Hebrews is trying to highlight is a command that is put upon our life. It is God's desire that we'll have communion with him. And when we don't have communion with him, the spirit is praying on our behalf for us that we'll commune with him. When we pray and cry out to God is because the Heavenly Father is communing on our behalf and interceding on our behalf. One greater than Aaron had arrived, and it was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is the greatest high priest because as God, as God, he brought man to God, and as God, he brought God to man. There is no one like this great high priest. The author doesn't end here. He says in verses 14 through 16, but in the last part of verses 14, he says, let us hold fast our profession. Let us hold fast the profession that we have once made. See, the enticing thing to them was turn back. The enticing thing to them was it's time to quit. The enticing thing was to them that give up or face persecution. The author is reminding them, let us hold fast our confession. Our confession is that we have confessed that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is our great high priest. Let us cling to our profession. Is this the profession that we are saved? No. It is our profession of the whole matter that we indeed have something better than Moses. It is the profession to the whole matter that we indeed have something better than Aaron. It is the profession that we indeed have something better than the prophets because we indeed have Jesus. We cling to him as a whole, and the reason we cling to him is a part of our salvation. And the reason we cling to him it is the result of our salvation. Though our clinging to him does not bring our salvation. It is always to be made clear. Salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. It's not only, it's not the gift of God. It is the gift of God. It is not a works, but it's the gift of God. Lest any man should boast. The concern is here that tribulations that pertain to matters not of our salvation that these tribulations may cause us to look back at once what we once had, but we have altogether something better. Notice the problem here. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God, and he is God the Son. There's a problem presented here to us. He is perfect. He is holy and we are not. This brings us to the question, 
how can we as mankind communicate? How can we relate to someone who is absolutely not like us? I once worked at a company and I made it nine months where it seemed that everybody who's worked there next to me, that their daddy's daddy's daddy worked in this company. They were rich. Matter of fact, there's something called a TDC. It's a touch display computer. On the TDC, they kept the stock market up. And as the stock went up, they would shout that they are in the $2 million range. And when it went down, they was like, oh, we're back in the ones. How unfortunate. I could not relate to them at all. They were nowhere near the same playing field as me. I was thankful just to have the money to get the groceries that I wanted, not the groceries that I could survive on. These people were not like me. They talked about the trucks that they had. They talked about the boats they were buying with their profit sharing and cars, and it would go on and on and on. They didn't understand my struggles, and I didn't understand their wealth. Therefore, we could not relate. The bridge between us and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is far greater than that. We sit back and wonder how the wealth, the wealthy in this nation, in this world, oh, I wonder what it would even be to survive. Multiply that times infinity, and that's the wealth of our Lord and Savior. Multiply all of that, and that is where our Lord lives now. He is on high. He is in heaven. He cannot be touched. But the author here tells us some amazing news in verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He said in the previous chapters there in chapter 2 and verse 17, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Notice that. It behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. There was a great divide there. We could not understand him, yet he understand, understood us, but to it behooved him to be made like us so that he could be a more merciful and faithful high priest unto us. That's the kind of God he is. That's the kind of Savior we serve. Listen, there is a teaching today here. We see this in verses 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Notice what it says there. Notice how it stops with the feeling of our infirmities. There is this reality today that people today, the health and wealth, we constantly go to it, yet it constantly plagues our nation. They say, because you serve the Lord, 
if you're really serving the Lord and you're faithful to the Lord, you will always be prosperous. Yet you will be without troubles. You will be without trials. But that's not what he offers up to us here. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the Lord became like us so that he could understand more about us, so that he could relate to us as we go through these infirmities, as we go through these troubles, as we go through these trials. Realize what he's saying here, Aaron, when Aaron served as the high priest for Israel, he could not relate to all the infirmities that Israel had. He couldn't understand all the woes of all the people in the nation. Yet what we have in our high priest, he understands us all together. He understands your infirmity as much as he does mine. At the same time, on the separate parts of the earth, where it seems no one else is around, where you can't post it on Facebook to pray about it, he knows our needs. We have a high priest who can. We have a high priest who cares. We have a high priest who left heaven for us. We have a high priest who relates to us. Several years ago, well, let's make it further before I say this, but many years ago when we went to Camp Chautauqua, I'm not going to tell you that it was for teens, but it was for teens, (laughs) We went there, and one night when we was there at Camp Chautauqua, I was laying in my cabin, and I became gripped with fear. I came to the realization within a few minutes that there was absolutely no way I was staying here at Camp Chautauqua, and I did not know how I was getting out. At this time, Joseph Head Jr. was our cabin leader. Well, I quietly slipped out of the cabin and looked up the road and right at the entrance, if you looked up there, there was a payphone on a pole. I went up there, for those who can remember, and called Collect Home. Somebody come get me. (laughs) I had missed home. I was crying, sad, miserable, and I, after I made the call, my mom answered. She handed the phone off to my father, and my father said, I'll come get you. I snuck back in the cabin, packed all my stuff, lay there looking out the window, looking for lights. When the lights came, I never told nobody I was leaving. I hit the floor running. (laughs) Joseph came out and said, where are you going? I said, home. (laughs) The call to my father, the reason that he arrived at Camp Chautauqua is because my father understood what it meant to want to go home. The reason my father came to my aid is because he understood fear. And I kept saying, I am afraid. The reason my father came to get me from camp is because I was broken and crying. And the situation that I was in grieved me. My father stepped into motion on my behalf because of the things that were afflicting me in that moment. Because we have such a great high priest who has been tempted on every side, who has experienced pain, who understands the afflictions of this life. He could have stayed in heaven, but he stepped out of the portals of heaven and came down here. 
so that he can move on our behalf and relate to the troubles that we have gone through. What a great high priest. He understands the burden, and because he loves us, and because he cares for us, he acts on our behalf even we are, when we are not acting on his behalf. He understands what it means to be despised. He understands what it means to be rejected. He understands what it means when you come into your own and your own receive you not. He understands what it means to be hurt by others. He became one of us just so that he could say and just so that he could perform his high priestly duty better on our behalf. If there's even such a thing. Think about that. When is the last time maybe when you were growing up and you maybe seen one of your siblings get in a swat and you say, you know what, mom, I'll take one of those just so I can understand why he's crying. It's never happened. You rarely, maybe when you've seen your husband smash his thumb, say, you know what, slide me over here the hammer. I'm going to go ahead and give my thumb a whack so I can feel what you're going through right now. Yet Christ left the throne room of glory to come here and to be touched by afflictions, to experience pain and hurt, not because he had to, but because what Hebrews 2.17 says, he wanted to for us so that he could even further relate to us on the human level. It is beyond my understanding how much God loves me. It is beyond my understanding how much Christ loved me, yet he did. It is that this Savior, he said, but in all points, in verse 15, he was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. We know this. Pilate, when he stood before Pilate, Pilate could find no fault in him. Even Judas, when he betrayed him, he said, I have betrayed innocent blood. He was yet without sin, yet became sin for us. When you understand that he did all of that for you, so that he could understand your trouble, so that he could understand your temptations, so that he could understand your mistakes, he became all of that, so that in all of that he could understand us all. And when we understand that Christ left glory so that he could communicate on our behalf and fulfill this royal priesthood, this great high priest. He says here in verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You can come boldly when you realize God in became flesh for our behalf so that he could I don't even want to say better, but that we could be more fulfilling in this duty on our behalf. So that he could more, if you want to say, relate to us. He did all of this for the sake of restoration of a relationship with his father. What does this mean? This is why the author says, therefore, let us come boldly. Because all of this, all that Christ did, all of Calvary was for the sake of restoration. 
And if all of Calvary and Christ's comings for the sake of restoration, if he did all of that for me, then why wouldn't I be able to come in boldly? Prayer should not be something that we do half-hearted. Prayer is not a job. Prayer is not a, a burden. It is a privilege in which we have this grand opportunity to draw near to the presence of God. Now, in times past, it was something different. Can we say to draw into the presence of God? Look at verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Well, that's strange to us. Mercy. In times past, when we read the Old Testament, when we read about Nadab and Babahu, when we read about how careful the priest acted when they entered into the Holy of Holies, we realized it was a scary place. And when they entered into the Holy of Holies, death could be brought upon them. Yet, for us now, because of our great high priest, we enter to the Holy of Holies to obtain what? To obtain mercy that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Has it ever occurred to us that prayer is not a brag time about how good we follow the Lord? Prayer is a time where we can come before the Lord and great and offer thanks and supplication unto him and be thankful for all that he does. But he has established this so that we may come to him in the time of need, that we can enter into the Holy of Holies in this condition that we are in and obtain mercy and find grace. The other day, Caleb wanted to go to the store and buy boots. Well, he bought some boots, all right. When we get there, he picks out the two pairs of boots was like almost $500. I said, "Woo, that's too much money for me. I'm standing at the door at boot country waiting for him to leave with me. And he says, I have a problem. I don't have enough cash. I said, indeed, you have a problem. It's a Saturday evening. When we got the conversation back and forth, his mom said, do you have your check card? He said, I do. She said, son, you can access the money that you have in the bank, even though the bank's closed, by having that check card. Well, then all the problems in the world went away. He just swiped the check card and paid for his boots. In times past, you was unable to access the Holy of Holies except one time a year. And even now in this very moment, though it may be late at night, Though it may be the buildings of this doors, the, the doors of this building's closed, and you don't have a time, the opportunity to come here and fall upon the altar and call out to the Lord. Because of what Christ has done, we have access at any time unto the Father. What an amazing opportunity. What an a, a amazing experience that has been given unto us to, to be able to enter into a place that once struck fear and find mercy and find grace, how could we not leave here and say, how do we not say that we have such a great high priest? He is truly our great high priest. It is an opportunity of all opportunities to pray unto the Lord and ask the Lord for help. 
May we never take for granted. May we never run in fear. May we never say, I've got too many problems in my life to go and try to communicate with the Lord. No, the establishment of the priest, this great high priest, is so that we may enter and get mercy and find grace through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this evening, Lord, we thank you for being our great high priest, Lord. We thank you for the ultimate sacrifice, Lord, that you have given for us even in your own life. Lord, what a, what a testimony of time, Lord, that even after all of these years, Lord, this word still blesses our hearts. The power that is in this word to encourage, to lift us up to strengthen us, Lord. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.